We've waited quite some time for the news, but we can finally say with confidence that Aaron Bradshaw is officially back for the Kentucky Wildcats. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Daw, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePicks. You can go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100. That is PrizePicks. Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. On today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, we are going to be discussing the return of Aaron Bradshaw. He is officially back at practice for the Kentucky Wildcats. What does this mean for Kentucky? What does it mean for their rotation? All of that stuff and more. We've also got three important statistics. I saw KSR recently put out an article of five important statistics for the Wildcats five games into the season. I'm going to give you three different ones here uh, to kind of talk about what's going on with UK. And then to wrap up the show, we're going to talk about things to be thankful for as it is almost Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Want to remind everyone out there that we are free and available on all platforms. Really appreciate you tuning in wherever you are listening. Aaron Bradshaw has officially returned to practice per Jack Pilgrim of KSR announced this on his Sources Say podcast over there at Kentucky Sports Radio. Bradshaw has returned to practice as of today, November 22nd, 2023. Some of you out there said that he would not come back to practice at all. He would not play for Kentucky this season. Some of you had your doubts as to whether or not he would be back soon rather than maybe a month or so from now. But here we are, November 22nd, and Aaron Bradshaw has returned to play for the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, that's the question that we are asking is, when will Bradshaw, outside of practice, actually be ready to play for UK? Because you look at the schedule, and there is a massive game looming just a week or so from now, where you have to go play Miami here in about, yeah, in six days at home for the SEC-ACC Challenge. That is going to be a huge contest for the Kentucky Wildcats would be really nice to get a quality victory on the board. Kentucky's going to need all the help they can get against the Hurricanes. It's a very solid team. Could Bradshaw be back for that one? Well, Jack Pilgrim says, hold on. He said that he's not expecting Aaron Bradshaw to return for Marshall. And he said, quote, I would be even, or I would even be very cautious about Miami. So not quite sure when Bradshaw will return for a game, but I can sit here and speculate if we're just looking at the schedule. If he's not going to come back this Friday against Marshall and he's not going to play next Tuesday against Miami, you have to then slot him in at Dece- on December 2nd against UNC Wilmington or December 9th in a neutral site, somewhat of a neutral site, at or against Penn. Uh, two games that would be significantly easier than the Miami contest. And I think that's kind of where my speculation begins today is when does Bradshaw actually play a game? If he's not back for Marshall this Friday, I don't think we see him until possibly December 2nd because think about the situation you would then be throwing a freshman five-star into 
congratulations. You've gotten a couple of weeks to practice with the team fully healthy now, and you will now get to play against Miami, uh, one of the best teams on your schedule, period. So it would just kind of be uh, maybe a little bit awkward to throw him into the fire there. Who knows? We'll have to see. I'm not saying anything definitively one way or another because we just don't know right now. So if Miami ends up being the game where he plays, then great. We'll love to see how he performs in that one because Kentucky needs the bodies in the front court something awful. That's where I want to kind of now step into the conversation with Bradshaw's where does he fit in on this team when he does return? Well, you and I have had a lot of conversations about his skill set individually, what he brings to the floor. He's a good three-point shooter. He can step out and knock down that outside shot. He can handle the ball somewhat decently for especially considering he's seven foot one. A seven foot one is kind of what you're looking at here is the the value that he brings uh, to this to this team as a whole, offensively and defensively. Kentucky needs a big man. John Calipari talked about it recently about how badly Kentucky needs one of their seven-footers back. Just one. Just one. And it looks like we're finally going to get that here. Versatile, tall, physical, five-star freshman. I think the the frame there is something you have to really like if he plays power forward at seven-foot-one, 225, 26 pounds. He's going to be somebody that Kentucky, I think, doesn't necessarily rely on in terms of touches, but as these next few weeks progress here, as you start to get through the rest of your non-conference slate, you go to play Penn, North Carolina, in Atlanta. You've got Illinois, or excuse me, Illinois State and Louisville there to wrap up your non-con. You're going to see, I think, Kentucky start to lean on him just a little bit more in terms of minutes as he is fully healthy and as he is ready to play. Because he, if he is fully healthy and ready to play, he gets some of those uh, games under his belt. Let's say it is UNC Wilmington. He should be con- capable of contributing to the lineup in terms of just being out there, being another body that Kentucky has in their rotation. Trey Mitchell has held the fort down so far through this non-con slate. Kentucky had their struggles against Kansas, obviously, as we know. And But outside of that, Mitchell offensively, has, I think, has been pretty solid uh, for Kentucky. He proved that in the St. Joe's game, once again, how valuable of a, of a player he is, his versatility in this front court. But just getting somebody else out there alongside him or to check in for him, that is seven foot one, 225 pounds, you will absolutely take that height. And it's just a different aspect of this team that you can go out there and throw at an opponent. Like I mentioned, Bradshaw, Mitchell, both very, I think, uh, we've not gotten to see Bradshaw, but just based on what we know, very versatile in the way that he does things. I keep saying that word over and over again because it's true. I'm curious to see what Bradshaw's role does look like if you put him in a rotation. Where does he slot in first? Does he, like I mentioned, does he check in for Mitchell? Does he play that five? Does he check in and play the four alongside Mitchell? Maybe give him some more. Maybe give him some more room to work with another big man in the lineup. Whenever you go to do that, we've talked about the rotations at length. We've talked about the lineups, the starting lineup, how Kentucky's going to do things from a minutes perspective, all throughout the offseason. And now we're finally going to get to see uh, at some point within the next couple of weeks where Aaron Bradshaw does finally line up. I'm very excited about it. I think you guys should be too. If you've got any thoughts on Aaron Bradshaw returning to practice and then eventually returning to play for UK here within the next couple of weeks, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below or you can hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK.
Okay, I want to get into three statistics that are notable five games into the season. Like I mentioned, KSR put out an article of five notable statistics for them. I've got three different ones, as we all expect from me. All of them are coming from Ken Palm, but they're really interesting, and I think they reflect how this Kentucky team is operating, how they've changed this season. Before I dive into those, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Prize Picks. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just simply you against the numbers, and instead of battling thousands of other players like pros, sharks, you can pick more or less on two to six player stat projections, and you can watch the winnings roll in. It's really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than a minute. They've got quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players and stat types. It's what makes them the number one daily fantasy sports app. They also have uh, weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts as well, like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks, discount select player projections up to 25% to add even more value to your picks. You can go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, continuing along here on the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. I really appreciate you guys making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. If you have not subscribed to the show already, I would really go uh, really appreciate it if you went ahead and did that, whether you are watching on YouTube or whether you are watching on podcast. It would be great if you went ahead and joined the bandwagon here, trying to get to 6K uh, which we are inching closer and closer and closer to. I really appreciate everybody that has joined on YouTube and on podcast as well. So like I mentioned, KSR recently put out an article, five notable stats, five games into the season. And there's some interesting stuff in there. I would highly encourage you to go check them out. They do great work over there. But I, he, I today, I have here three notable stats, five games into the season, and I've got three different ones that KSR did not cover. And this is going to get into the weeds just a little bit, but again, I I think it does truly reflect how this team, especially offensively, has changed this season. And that's what I want to get into to start things here. Adjusted tempo is the first statistic I would like to look at. What is adjusted tempo? You may ask. Adjusted tempo, to put it simply how it's defined, Possessions per 40 minutes. That's the number that we're looking at. How many possessions does Kentucky basketball get every 40 minutes? 70.2 is the number, and that's Kentucky's adjusted tempo per game. That is the best adjusted tempo, the best mark in this statistical category Kentucky has had since 2017 when the Wildcats went 32-6. and 70.2 possessions per every 40 minutes. There are a lot of different things that factor into how many possessions you get per game. Something that you can control individually as an offense is how fast you like to run your stuff. Kentucky is one of the fastest teams in the country on offense. They have an average possession length of 14.9 seconds. That is top 20 nationally. One of the quickest teams. They make decisions very quick up and down the court and within their half court as well. Something that you can also sort of control as a defense is how quickly your opponent gets a shot off. You can play good defense. You can play through the shot clock. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes other teams that you play are just simply going to play with a lot of pace, i.e. St. Joe's. Kentucky had a hard time at different points getting them late into the shot clock because they wanted to work quickly. 
So that also, eject, uh, or excuse me, that also changes how many possessions you get per game, and then it will obviously lower your adjusted tempo. If you look at the, sorry about that, dropped something. If you look at the average possession length on defense for the Wildcats, it's almost 300 nationally. It's 18.1 seconds. So you have a very fast offense for Kentucky, offset by a very solid defense that is working teams late into the shot clock, probably because you played a lot of really bad opponents. And so that offsets your adjusted tempo, which sits a little bit above average nationally. Coach Cal has consistently had slower teams in terms of adjusted tempo, and I'll put that in air quotes there, over his tenure with UK. Occasionally, he has had some really fast squads or some decently fast squads, and the most notable, like I mentioned, I think is that 2017 squad when he had a team that had 72 possessions per game. The highest total before that was 68.3 in 2010. So this is technically the second fastest team Coach Cal has had in terms of how many possessions they get per contest. I think it's very interesting that Kentucky has ramped up the pace offensively this season, and in turn, their defense through five games is working teams late into the shot clock. Again, part of it is because Kentucky's played four really bad opponents, but we will get to see these numbers, I think, change and possibly even improve when it comes to adjusted tempo as the season goes on. And I want to be clear about something here. Just because you go fast does not mean you have a good offense. There are some teams out there that play really, really fast, that get a lot of possessions. That's great. Steal as many as you can from your opponent. You can do that by grabbing offensive rebounds. You can do that by creating turnovers. You can, be, you can do that by not being turnover prone yourself. There's so many different ways that you can get more possessions within an individual game. For Kentucky, though, I think that we discussed this. I think it might have been the most recent episode. Over these past two seasons, I've said with Kentucky's personnel, they have had the ability to run more than they do, and they choose not to, which is really interesting. This year's personnel group, I think, has the opportunity to run, wants to run, and has proven extremely successful whenever they get the opportunity to do so. So I'm curious to see how against better opponents Kentucky's numbers look when it comes to adjusted tempo. Do they continue to push the pace? Do they push it more? Do they get more aggressive? I'm not sure. Adjusted tempo is your first statistic here. The second uh, statistic here, notable stats, five games into the season, point distribution. What percentage of an opponent's points come from three, come from two, and come from the free throw line? That's what we're looking at here. So Kentucky, as we all know, individually, they get a lot of their points from three. That's awesome. Kentucky's a good three-point shooting team. That's not what I want to focus on here. I want to focus on their defensive point distribution. What percentage of an opponent's points come from outside the arc for UK? Well, right now, five games into the season, that would be 40.2%. 40% of an average opponent's points for the Wildcats come from outside the arc. That is 16th highest nationally. The average point distribution percentage for three uh, for an opponent is 29.6%. Kentucky's opponents are getting a lot of points from deep. And they are not shooting particularly well from outside the arc. Just because you shoot a lot doesn't mean you get a lot. 32.6% is what opponents are shooting, which is a little bit under average nationally. So there are one of two things that can happen here. And we've gotten to see this firsthand. Kind of step away from the numbers and actually watch the game. You can see Kentucky, because they're young, because they're inexperienced, 
have moments where they struggle with their defensive rotations and switching. I don't know if it's a communication issue or if it's just not being as comfortable yet as you should be on the defensive end of the floor. But one way or another, I think this does improve. I think Kentucky's opponent percentage amount of points that they get from deep may not go down a ton as the season progresses, but I'm watching that percentage. How often are opponents able to hit from outside the arc? How are you able to defend defend ball screens? How physical can you be controlling things and not sagging off and making sure that you cover the opponent's shooters? It's going to be fascinating to see how the defensive development grows for the Wildcats, especially with some of their players coming back, these three seven-footers. And that's where I want to wrap things up here, talking about Kentucky's depth. I've got two statistics kind of in one here, two foul participation and then bench minutes. What on earth is two foul participation? It's a number on Kim Palm. I will read you the definition, and then we will look at the number. Two foul participation is simply the percentage of time that a starter with two fouls in the first half has been allowed to play. If a starter picks up a foul with 10 minutes left in the first half and plays one of those remaining minutes, then he's participated in 10% of the minutes he could have. Add up the possible minutes for all starters and the minutes on the floor, and you get the team's number for the whole season. So, understanding the definition now, you may say, what is Kentucky's percentage for two foul participation? How often do players participate with two fouls? How about 100% all of the time Kentucky's players with two fouls participate in the final minutes, 10 minutes of the first half, or just in general? That is first nationally, obviously. You cannot get higher than that. But you may say, well, Lance, we're, we're pretty early in the season, five games in. Surely there are, out of the 362, 363 teams, surely there's a few others that average 100%. Nope. Next closest team is 77.1%. Kentucky is 33% higher in two-foul particip- uh, participation percentage. What on earth does that mean? Well, it means Kentucky has a short rotation and they're having to play guys with two fouls. It's pretty simple. Kentucky right now does not have the bodies that they want to have in this lineup. Obviously, Jordan Burks can check in whenever Cal wants him to, and he has played very well within his role. But as you'll notice, as the season has gone on, Jordan Burks has not played a ton. He's not played a lot at all. When you get these three seven-footers back, you're going to be able to play those bodies more because you feel more comfortable with the, with them in your lineup because they fit what you want to do more. You are playing Jordan Burks out of necessity right now. You are playing guys like Adu Thiero as much as you are out of necessity right now. And that's not to say Adu Thiero is a bad player. He's played well through his minutes. He played very well against the best team Kentucky's faced so far in Kansas. But when you look at Zvonimir, when you look at Aaron Bradshaw, when you look at Hugo... Bringing those guys back into the lineup is not only going to help what they're doing rotationally at their given positions, but it will also help the all, the the entire rotation as it moves up the board because Adu Thiero will have opportunities to play backup four, and he will also have chances to play a backup three. You look at Trey Mitchell, instead of having to play the center position as much, you could have him and Hugo in the lineup at different times, and you can identify Hugo as the true pure center in that lineup. You can do a ton of different things with Aaron Bradshaw. Justin Edwards doesn't have to play power forward in small ball lineups. He can play the three because now you have an extra body there to throw at the four that you didn't previously. 
you can do so many different things and allow different players to take on these fouls, and you can truly have depth. Kentucky right now plays more guys with two fouls than anybody in the country by a significant margin. And here's an interesting thing for you. So the next closest team is at 77.1%. Kentucky at 100% right now. No team from 2009 to 2023, and I could only go back as far as 2009 because that's when Kim Palm started tracking this number. No team since 2009 has had a two-foul participation percentage higher than 85% ever through that stretch. No team has finished higher than that. That is insane that Kentucky, through five games, is having to play these guys or choosing to play these guys as much as they do with these fouls. It's going to change once they get the bodies back. The final number here, bench minutes. Kentucky, Kentucky's bench minutes uh, make up 27.7% of their entire minutes. That is obviously one of the worst marks in the country. It's the second worst in the SEC. Ghost kind of ties into this two-foul thing here. Kentucky does not have the bodies that they want to in this lineup. And once they do, I think it will be... Because Kentucky's changed so much so much on their offense so far this year, it will be a stylistic preference for Coach Cal, I think. I think. Because the talent drop-off, I don't think, is as significant as it has been in the last few years. Cal will have to make the decision to say, okay, do I do what I've done with my previous Kentucky teams and play a short rotation even though I've got depth? Or do I try and play a lengthier rotation because I've got three seven-footers in this lineup and I can do so many different things offensively and defensively and I'm expanding now my arsenal and things I'm comfortable with, I think it will be, just from my perspective, a stylistic decision as to whether or not he does play these guys and this two-foul participation and this bench minute thing starts to go a little bit more in the positive direction, so to speak. Because as long as Kentucky's winning, it doesn't matter how, how they play guys with two fouls. But it doesn't matter. How many, ti- how many times they go to their bench. If they're winning, it's a recipe for success. How does Cal manage that? That'll be really interesting to see. Okay, so there are your three statistics. You got any thoughts on that? Leave it in the YouTube comments below. I want to dive into three things Kentucky fans should be thankful for this upcoming season, or th- through for this season. Obviously, we're five games in. It's not upcoming. It's happening. I want to dive into that in just a second. Before I do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile to spread the word that you are hiring And LinkedIn's got really simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It's very simple what LinkedIn does, and it is awesome. They help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to, but faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, wrapping up the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. If you have not subbed to the channel, please go ahead and do so. If you're listening on podcast, subscribe wherever, whatever feed you're listening to. I would really appreciate it if you gave a subscription. Okay, 
three things that Kentucky fans should be thankful for this season. Obviously, Thanksgiving tomorrow. Why not go ahead and do this? I've got three. If you've got anything, uh, anything that you're thankful for in relation to Kentucky basketball, leave that in the YouTube comments below. First thing here that fans should be thankful for, a legitimate offense that has changed how it operates. We just talked about this a second ago. Kentucky fans should be thankful that John Calipari has brought on a guy like John Welch and changed what they like to do offensively. The, to go back to the word I was using earlier, stylistically, this is a dramatically different version of UK than we've seen in, at any point, I think, through Cal's career when it com- or with, with the Wildcats, it is. When it comes to how often and how early they go to the outside shot, they have relied on that heavily this season. Like I mentioned earlier, obviously opponents like to shoot the three against Kentucky. Kentucky as well likes to knock it down from deep. 26th nationally. That's where Kentucky ranks in point distribution on offense. When it comes to the percentage of points that they get from three, they get 38.8% of their points from outside the arc. That's a very high number. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Kentucky's offense is going ballistic right now. Can they keep it up? We'll have to see. But they are getting a lot of their points from deep. And I absolutely love it. I love the change. I love the pace. I love the five out. I love what Kentucky's doing. Love it, love it, love it. The second thing I think fans should be thankful for, depth in the backcourt. Over these past few years, you've had a really solid to okay point guard, but you've not really had a lot of depth there in your backcourt. At least you've, and if you've had bodies, you've not been like thrilled with what they're bringing to the table. This year, I think that you could possibly make the argument, uh, no, you could, that the bench players, especially from a plus-minus perspective, outplay the starters pretty consistently. Um, And I'm not saying from a game-to-game, I'm saying from like a check-in, check-out perspective, from like a rotation when, when you come in, when you come out, individual points in the game. I think that you see time and time again Rob Dillingham, Reed Shepard, they go, they play out of their minds. They have this year. Um, are they going to be as efficient statistically as they have been? I don't think so. I think those numbers are going to come down a little bit, and the starters are going to play a little bit better. Um, Reeves is playing really well. Um, would love to see him shoot a little bit better, but the numbers aren't terrible. Uh, Wagner, obviously, we've talked about him a ton. His numbers have to improve. Um, but Kentucky's got some serious depth there. And if you want to call Justin Edwards a guard, I mean, who's going to stop you? Um, he, he looks good as well. So Kentucky's got four guys that they feel pretty confident in right now, and that's really good. That's great news for what you want to do in SEC play, and that's really good news for what you want to do in the postseason because you could have one of those guys have a really bad night, the three others step up, two of them have a bad night, two of the others step up, um, one go out of his mind and the other ones can play average. I mean, you, you've got an opportunity here to really, really take it to some teams if one player per night is going off. So depth in the backcourt, and you don't need one person to pop off. It could just be an even a distribution of points through the, those four guys. Who knows? So a legitimate offense, depth in the backcourt. And then the final thing here to tie back into what we talked about at the beginning of the show, fans should be thankful that Aaron Bradshaw is returning. Like I said earlier, some of you out there didn't think he was going to come play to, uh, Kentucky at all. You thought they were going to be he-, he was going to be held out for the remainder of the season, and then he was going to go to the NBA draft. And who knows? Maybe maybe that happens. Maybe he just says all of a sudden, "Yeah, I'm not playing." 
Could happen today. I don't know. But what I'm sitting here telling you is Kentucky's got one of their seven-footers back. They've got a big man back. That's awesome. If he plays, I'm really hoping for good things, but just the fact that he's out there on the court is amazing. That's awesome. And if they get a second back, then you will start to see, I think the pieces really fall into place for UK. Is it Zvonimir before Hugo? Is it Hugo before Big Z? I don't know, but getting one back, I think fans should be very thankful and excited for. So those are my three things that Kentucky fans should be thankful for right now. If you've got any thoughts on what you are thankful for with Kentucky basketball, you can leave that in the comments below. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave those in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all later for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Thank you.